0: Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church recorded in Memphis. Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in a world in need of repair. I'm Scott Walters, the rector of Calvary Church. Our guest today is Dr. Scott Morris. Dr. Morris is an ordained Methodist minister and a physician. He's founder and executive director of Church Health Center in Memphis, the largest faith-based privately funded healthcare organization in the United States. With a network of more than a thousand volunteer providers and partnerships with congregations, healthcare institutions, businesses, and facilities, Church Health has been fostering health and well-being through clinical services, educational resources, and family programs and outreach since 1987. Welcome, Scott. Glad
1: to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Thanks for setting aside a little time to talk in your busy schedule. Um, We wanted to talk today about Faith and health. You and I have talked a time or two about it, and I've heard you talk a little bit about maybe even some new work that you're doing writing, but I'd love to hear you start, reflect a little bit on how you even use those terms. How would you even, uh, as a physician and as a Christian and a pastor, how would you talk about health? What's health?
1: Well, so you know, why should people of faith care about this issue? That That's really um, the driving force between me personally and, and the work of church health. Um, we are very much engaged and just trying to ask the question, what what does it mean to be a person of faith? But to do this, you know, we we have to begin from a scriptural base and it's pretty clear to me about how this works. And yet we we live in a world that seems to just not understand it. So to begin with, you know, our bodies are, are critical to who we are as fully human beings, you know, in Genesis, God breathes the breath of life, the Ruach, into the dust of the earth. Um, And it is only when we are dust and breath that we are fully human. And in Genesis, it says that the body is not just good, but very good. Um, And then when we get to the New Testament, the, the issue of following Jesus, over and over again, it's clear what it means to follow Jesus. There are three things. You know we've all heard this. We are to preach, to teach, and to heal. You know you do not get to take a pass on the healing part. You know one third of the New Testament has to do with healing the sick. It is on every page, and yet as as time has gone on, it's as though we don't take this seriously at all. We we have forgotten that uh, the nature of what it means to follow Jesus is that you have to be engaged in a healing ministry. You know, if you ignore being involved in a healing ministry, then you're actually ignoring a third of the gospel. And so that this is the, the mission of church health. That's what we've been trying to work on for 33 years now. Um, and, you know, it's fascinating how COVID uh, has made it interesting for, from our perspective that, People are, seem to now understand this link between faith and health, which, for many years, we've ignored that as part of who we are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's the uh, the old Gnostic heresies that wanted to do away with these bodies and think about spiritual things seem alive and well, don't they? Well, what has COVID, what COVID, what has COVID pressed upon us? How has it uh, crystallized this in a partic- in a unique way? If it's if it has or intensified it.
1: So I think we still struggle with uh, this link between faith and health. I mean, we, we, to me, is what we should be doing as people of faith. This is an an opportunity for us to, to live into what we should be about every day. Um, we, we should be asking the question, if, if we're going to be, um, be faithful to God, then what would it look like for people of faith to actually lead the way on these issues of the moral questions of how we uh, care for each other, realize that the risk that uh, COVID has has brought before us, um, and it's this enormous opportunity for us to live into what God has called us to do. Unfortunately, too many of our churches are are just focused on, you know, how do we get back to doing church the way we've always done it? You know, we're worried about our buildings. We're worried about how we're going to pay our bills. Um, What we haven't done is sort of use this as an opportunity to ask, you know, how does this drive us closer to God? That's the question we ought to be asking in in my mind. Um, Instead, we're just worried about how do we uh, get back doing church the way we did before COVID. Well, I'm not sure we're ever going to get back to exactly the way it was, but this is an incredible opportunity for us to sort of, use this as an opportunity for us to better understand how God loves us.
0: Yeah. And, and I think what's intensifying too, and all that is it's when Jesus said, he'd show up when two or three of us gather, however we gather, uh, we're suddenly realizing that my health is not my own private possession. I'm utterly dependent on a community and the responses of a community. I can't just as an individual tend to my own health. Um, so in, in finding God, and it, it seems like we're finding that we we can't go it alone. We have to care for our neighbors. We have to. Um, we're dependent. In fact, I had I found this quote from Wendell Berry. I don't know if you like him or not. I believe that the community, in the fullest sense, a place and all its creatures, is the smallest unit of health, and that to speak of the health of an isolated individual is a contradiction in terms. Uh, it struck me as something that we're that we're learning as Christians that we're bound to each other in, in deep and important ways? Masking, staying
1: apart. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the, the challenge is just, you know, number one, how, how do we uh, live a life where we are uh, working every day to, to feel connected to God? Um, but the ideas of, of health mean that it can't just be about my own personal well-being. Um, the, the whole idea of being engaged in, in a healing ministry um, or what it means to follow Jesus, to, to preach, teach, and heal, it, it, that means it's not just about me. Um, it is about this broader sense of, of what it uh, looks like for us to, to be in community um, and how issues of, of health actually together make us all closer to God. You know, it's not just about my own personal experience with this, um, by by trying to fully understand what it means to, to have a broader understanding of of living a, a, a life where we try to nurture our own human uh, bodies. It's not just about our, 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 our very narrow understanding of spirituality. But the beauty of actually living into trying to find a way to, to live healthily helps us during those times when we struggle to theologically understand how am I connected to God? You know, you don't have to actually figure it out in your mind by trying to, to live a way to, to live a healthy life. You can deal with the doubt that particularly in today's world uh, that we all experience. So l- let's just live into uh, a way to, to care for each other and, and live a life that uh, nurtures us as human beings.
0: Yeah, and health is, is wholeness, right? It's not just the elimination of disease. It's, it's all of these things together. Disease can interrupt that, but it's something bigger and
1: broader. Well, so, I mean, again, from the church health perspective, I mean, and for, for me personally, uh, absolutely. I mean, be, being healthy is not about the absence of disease. And the World Health Organization would agree with that. You know, at the end of the day, who cares if I live two years longer, if it means two years longer in a nursing home? You know, I think even how we understand, you know, how we uh, understand the, the issues of COVID, um, it, it's not just about living longer. Um, so, so we believe, and what, what I believe, and I think what's reflective of, of what um, particularly the New Testament calls us to, to do is, in order to be healthy, it requires us to engage three things. Having more joy in your life, having more love in your life, and to be driven closer to God—you know—that these three things: more joy, more love, and being driven closer to God—is actually what allows us to be healthy in life. But if those are the issues—more joy, more love, and being driven closer to God—in order to be healthy, it means it's really not that much about the doctor, um, and it actually is an opportunity for the church to sort of say, well, what does that look like in today's world? You know, and how could we then uh, fully engage in each of our lives, but also as community, so that we can find a way that we are driven closer to God through issues around joy and love and, and whatever those criteria are for each of us to feel like we're driven closer to God. It means it's more than just a doctrine.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, and it strikes me, um, Marilyn Robinson once said, fear is not a Christian habit of mind, which is the turning, the opposite of that, I feel like. You're talking about how do we release ourselves to joy and love and connection, how does that drive what we do, rather than being driven, essentially, by fear into whatever we do. That feels like the opposite reaction, but it's a real thing.
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, much of what we experience now is that there are people who either just say, okay, I, I, you know, I have no fear, you know, I'm, I'm invincible, you know, especially, you know, these days, you know, younger people going, you know, hey, you know, I'm just going to go do what I uh, want to do. But the o- other side of this is that there's so many people who um, have now just completely you know put themselves in a in a bubble and, and have fear becomes the most powerful thing feeling as though that they are doing what's right in order to avoid um, the risk of COVID. But I think that is equally a flawed way of understanding this. If if everything is driven by fear, then that is not what the gospel calls us to do. You know we, we can't just live every way that we can and and do this based on our own fear. But both ways of seeing this are, are not particularly helpful, and it certainly is not what the New Testament calls us to do. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's really brought things to the surface that we thought were tidy categories. I can give my life to, you know, lay down your life for your friend. What does that look like? It's a little more complicated in this. In this day. But we also realize we live in a time where we have been manip- manipulated by fear. Fear has been in the broader cultural conversations, this currency or this this fuel for things. And I feel like right now we're entering this pandemic having lost lost a sense of how to fear appropriately. What are my actual risks and how do I even register these and how do I bring my, my neighbor into this conversation? So we either have this strident individualism that says God will protect me or like you're talking about a, a Complete shutdown from relationship, or just a just a, a fear, and also as a, as a Christian, what we know is that I mean a lot of scripture is not about the avoidance of suffering; it's actually about the the reality of suffering, and how do we find meaning within it? Going back to Job, or on through uh, the Christian tradition, so these are complicated, but but it seems like rich material for Christian reflection and, sp- and religious reflection when we acknowledge that our bodies are flawed. We're not impermeable. We can't live without the possibility of infection. And yet we have these responsibilities to one another. Our health is is connected with one another.
1: I'm against this enormous opportunity for for, for the church to sort of, you know, reimagine, you know, what what does it look like moving forward? Too many of of churches that whether they're, you know, I'm a Methodist, you're, you're Episcopalian. I mean, it's not like we are... Before COVID, uh, fully engaging and growing growing ministry. Instead, we've been losing people right and left. There is the beauty from the church, if we were to take it seriously, is to to use this as an opportunity to think of this as evangelism. You know, as a way to, to, to grow the church in a way that actually allows us to be more faithful to God. You know, we had gotten within all churches, whether it's your Baptist or Episcopalian, um, that to believe that all we did is to, to, to preach, you know, to, to teach, but to forget the fact that God gave us this body for a reason. You know, the, the, the beauty of what we have absolutely the opportunity to do right now is to say, well, what would a healing ministry do to actually grow the church? and And it may not look like, how we have been living for for the last hundred years, but the church is always changing. The, the church is always in dynamic. Um, this is an opportunity for, for the church to actually move forward that allows us to be more faithful and, and to maybe go back and use the gospel to sort of say, how, how is it that we in today's world need to rethink this? But it can't just be about, you know, paying the bills for our, our, physical structure, you know, but it, this may be an opportunity for us to actually live out the gospel in a way that is happening outside of churches, you know, what would that look like, you know, and, and particularly, how, how does a healing ministry become part of those things that draw us closer to God, that that to me should be the question we are asking every day. And yet, yet all too often what we're doing is, is just the opposite. We're, we're worried about how we pay our bills. You know, we're, we're worried about those things that drive us uh, because of fear as opposed to saying, you know, how does this look like? How does the church uh, lead the way into issues of morality, um, in, into those things that actually, you know, lead us all to be healthy and, and and the church ought to be leading the way on this, as opposed to reacting uh, just over woe is me.
0: Well, well, how, let's explore that. How do we do that? I mean, the in here in Memphis, um, there's a place where I can get a person can get health care for underinsured people at Church Health, and uh, Saint Jude's is right up the street, named for a saint, and Methodist is right on the billboard of the biggest, a great big hospital, a few miles. So, church is is written all over health care. Tell me what you're talking about—a new way that that uh, congregations, maybe, and Christians or people of faith can find their way into this con- conversation and lead. What area? How are you talking about doing that? What are some ways we could do that?
1: Well, I mean, to, to start with, we have to understand—you know—just look at, you know, how this is not an equal understanding of of who is at at risk. You know. Um, you know, if, you, if you look at the numbers of, of who is actually getting sick um, and, and even th- those who are at greatest risk for dying, it, it shouldn't be surprising that, that it's you know, it's not as much about issues, in my opinion, of race as it is of poverty. You know, the issue is class. Um, it, it is poor people who are not in, a, a, in the ability to actually follow through with um, physical distancing. You know, because people live in apartments where there's eight people in a two or three bedroom situation that, that they have to go to work. You know, if they don't get work, they don't eat. You know, trying to ask the question, you know, how how could we actually create healthier living environments, to me, should be something that the church ought to be front and center asking that question. You know, instead, what we're doing is just making sure we're safe. Right.
0: And and we're we're seeing that um, the Latino communities are being especially hard hit, and people afraid of being um, tracked. They hear tracing and probably worry that where that what that might lead to having a hard time with our immigrant with our um, brothers and sisters in that community. It's pressing upon that idea of welcome of the stranger, welcome of the alien, that just drop your open your Bible to a page and drop your finger down. It's another community.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you just look at from a, the, you know an immigrant population, you know, we need to know what a person's um, contact information is, where they live, uh, in case they turn out to be positive. I mean, that you know, the, it makes perfect sense for us to be able to follow through with that without realizing that if if you are undocumented, I mean, what greater fear could there be? that I'm gonna you know have fear that if I turn out to be positive and you're gonna track this down I mean who would not have fear that I'm going to be deported I mean and so what why would I do this I mean there, there's no reason to feel um, confidence and and so people don't do it you know or the same thing being what why would I get um, tested if If I know if I'm positive, I won't be able to financially support my family. I don't know that I would do it, you know, if if I was at at risk of of not being able to financially um, care for my family and, and the fact that, you know, if you're a breadwinner, that you're positive and then you can just see the fear people would have that they would get deported and then their family is left with the inability to just you know, pay for the simplest things. You know, to me, isn't this something the church ought to be sort of working on? You know, sort of say, how how can we uh, try to give people a sense of confidence that, you know, it's not just about them, they're not just uh, on their own in the midst of all this? Um, You know, to, to me, what a great opportunity for the church to do what I feel is what we're called to do.
0: Yeah. Well, are you seeing any oftentimes extreme circumstances or moments in which new ideas, uh, new sources of creativity emerge? I realize we're still kind of in the throes of this, but are there any, whether at Church Health or in other places, are you seeing any new ways of being faithful, new ways of healing, new ways of, of engaging these questions beginning to emerge that might be hopeful?
1: Well, well I can think you know, at Church Health, our, our challenge is a dynamic uh, that is, has already started headed our way, which is, you know, the PPP loans um, paid for people working in low-wage jobs up until a, you know a week or so ago. But but now there's no um, risk for a small business to, to lay people off. You know, they but so if those businesses are not able to um, financially sustain themselves, then it's crystal clear over the next few weeks that more and more people will be laid off. Already 100,000 people in Shelby County have lost their job, and when they lose their job, they almost certainly will lose health insurance. And so, I mean, at Church Health forever, we've had a requirement. You had to work to be our patient. We're that, uh, waiving that now because people are not choosing not to work but they are they're desperate over how they pay their bills you know so so again for me i mean why wouldn't the church be helping to address these issues but i don't really know any church that is worried very much about this that they they don't see the the connection between the ppp loans um and the fact that in, in the next six months the the issues of unemployment for lo- low-wage workers, I mean, it's going to be a disaster.
0: It's a hard time. We feel, we feel at sea a little bit. And how do we find a toehold in a place where we can have either something to say or, more importantly, something to do that would actually push back against this uh, deep, deep rupture in,
1: in the way things are? Yeah, look, I, this stuff is hard. <laughs> I mean, I'm not for a moment arguing that there's, um, there's simple solutions, that there's anything but simple solutions. But in my mind, this ought to be an exciting time for the church. You know, this ought to be an opportunity for the church to go, my God, let's roll up our sleeves and, 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 and work on this and figure out how we do it. You know, instead, it's just, it's too simple to, to just focus on my own family, my own community. You know and 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 I just hear this over and over again, hey, my family's okay well good i I'm, I'm glad your family's okay, but it remains the issue is that people who work to make your life comfortable, their families may not be okay and again i I don't anticipate for anybody as an individual to figure this out because this stuff is hard, but which is back to where this is, ought to be an opportunity for the church as community that for us to roll up our sleeves and be working together to try to address these issues. I mean, what could be more to the point of what it would mean to follow Jesus? I, I can't see anything more important to follow Jesus. And this is within our lifetime. I mean, this is like the moment, you know, I mean, are we going to wait for something of a greater crisis? Really? Well, what's that going to be?
0: I recently read an article that pointed out something I hadn't noted before. We've heard a lot about the 1918 flu epidemic and comparisons, less about the 1919 wave of racial unrest. The Elaine riots and massacre were part of this across, and, and I think they started up in, it's called Red Summer. I, I'm only learning about this. Uh, it was startling to see this these two things placed next to each other. Um, do you think the, are there any connections or... Anything interesting, any possibilities that there's any relationship with the recent conversations about racial justice? They related at all or just happened to well, bump up against each other?
1: The issues that we're dealing with now, it's not like it's unique to us in the 21st century, you know, but the, the issues of what's happening around COVID and what's happening around racism, these things are not separate. I mean, what we're experiencing with COVID um, absolutely is just a very practical way of saying this, how racism actually plays itself out. And for me, especially among our white friends, particularly here in the church, uh, we, are, we can be fully engaged around talking about the issues of racism to try to intellectually understand it. But to me, this is a way to actually address the issue. If we were finding a way to actually live into from a gospel perspective, issues of equality around addressing COVID is a way to take this stuff seriously. And so it's not just talk. But but all too often churches are just about talk. And and it's why we can't ever make any progress because We're not out there front and center trying to pragmatically solve issues that if we were focused really on how COVID was more equitable and that we were thinking in ways to try to prevent the greatest risk of being, you know, people who are either undocumented or in low wage jobs we would actually be making a difference, but instead we have gotten to where all we're doing is wiping our fingers about the intellectual understanding and, and seeing how it has actually any pragmatic thing around COVID. We have made it to where these are two different things, and they are not two different things.
0: You know, Richard Rohr's organization that occurs to me is the Center for Action and Contemplation. At Church Health, you're serious about practices of mindfulness and other, other ways into this, uh, as we're talking about action and what ha- we have to step up as a church and respond in these ways, um, how about the, the contemplative side of it? Um, some people have talked a little bit about having the economy broken, um, at least has put people back either to gaze at their own navels or uh, actually reassess priorities and practices. Are there practices on the spiritual side or on the mindfulness side of things that could actually lead us to action
1: as well? That are important to attend to now. Look, I'm a big Roar fan, and um, and and I and I love the the concept of you know contemplation and action. Um, I, I you know personally tend to spend too much time just on the action and not enough time on the contemplation. But you know even with Roar. And for me, too much gets focused on contemplation um, at an opportunity where we have to actually let 's go work on the action part and uh, because the the beauty of the action part is that you don 't have to fully understand everything you know if, if you are uncertain, then fine, just roll up your sleeves and and do this and 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 then action will lead you to having a better understanding of contemplation. Um, now, I, you know, the ideal thing is that you do, do both, but you know, most people have trouble doing both. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my my own personal experience of uh, you know, I've spent a, um, a week in silence at Teze, you know, back when I was in seminary and um, you know, I was, Excited about going only when I got there, it was cold and everybody spoke French and I was completely, totally miserable. And I spent my entire week in silence talking to a cow um, <laughs> and I, I couldn't have been happier uh, when I got back home. So it just I failed. I, you know, I, I failed the experience. Um, I still like the idea. I wish I had been able to be fully engaged in what happens at Teze, but this is back why we need community. You know, we we need each other where there might be some who will do better with the um, the issue of contemplation and others do better with, with the action part, um, But but we need both.
0: Yeah, and we have oppressively narrow definitions of contemplation like we do oppressively narrow cont- uh, definitions of health, I think too. So, what that means to have actually some perspective to to reflect on what's in front of us, to be truly aware and not reactive to the realities in front of us—that seems, however, we achieve that seems essential right now. If we're simply reacting um, without any space to judge those actions as affection, as effective or just or um, merciful. Um, so that's that's helpful to remember contemplation looks different for different people. And I also like this idea of, of action being this, a step into it. Even contemplative practices generally are practices. You show up, you do the thing, you step onto the labyrinth, you do that. And to to move it away from that toward I could actually step into this action in a way that is being present to what's in front of me. That could be a doorway into contemplation, rather than than having to remove myself from bodies, other people. What's real?
1: Well, I think. I mean, again, as much as I love Roar, I mean, much of Roar's. I mean, who who listens to Roar? I mean, the people who look just like me, and um, you know, there there aren't poor people who are who are out there going, "Hey, let me tell you about Richard Bor." You know that that should give us pause. You know, because poor people are just trying to figure out how to get through today. You know, how to pay my bills, and you know, we just you know there's just one complicated issue after the other, and you know, for for me as as people come to us, um, I mean, I, I mean, yesterday I, I you know saw a woman who, the, the biggest issue was that her her spouse had been abusive, but when you unpack all this, he had been abusive because he was. He was completely lost about how he was gonna, you know, help take care of his family, and so this happens all the time, right? I mean, he doesn't have anybody else to turn to, and he ended up abusing his wife. It's yeah, you know, stuff is complicated, and I didn't have any pills to solve her her issues, and um, you know, we we offered counseling and try to find a way to deal with her physical complaints at the same time but you know this this stuff is is so hard and and for me wouldn't it be nice if here even at church help if i was able to have a a church opportunity to help her through this very complicated time in in her life but that that churches have a hard time figuring out what would we actually do well we get, we need to go spend the time figuring out what we would do. Um, if I mean, the only point of doing this is if you want to follow Jesus. That's really the only. I mean, yeah, you you want to take seriously the gospel. But, yeah, but that ought to be what the church is leading on, right? Yeah.
0: And this acute care in this crisis should lead us back upstream into what's the community? How's is, how's is the community around this couple broken? How is the um, this the Wendell Berry poet? Uh, Quote, resonated in that way, that it's the community that's broken. How do we attend to the, the wound that's open right now, but not pretend like it happens in isolation? Um, all of these relationships are interconnected. That should be our jam <laughs> as Christians and as people of faith.
1: And, and, and we also need to just be better at listening. Probably not my greatest strength either, um, but you know, I think All the issues around racism that we're facing right now, you know, white, you know, middle, upper middle class people who have an intellectual bias need to just become a lot better about listening um, and, and finding ways to, you know, follow through on, you know, what people who are actually suffering the most are saying that they need. You know, it's, it can't be up to you and me telling them what they need. We, we need to let them tell us what they need and then figure out how to make it happen.
0: Yeah. And, and it seems to me what something unique about this, maybe it's not unique, it's present all the time, but the, the potential to see our lives as mutually dependent. So as Christians, and especially as active Christians, Calvary has a history of outreach as we use that word, which means taking my resource and handing it over to someone who doesn't have that resource, which is essential, which is gospel work has to happen if I have resources, but can detract from this deep mutuality that we need to return ourselves to, that we actually have need of the other. I hope there's some, I hope are some resources in this, in these strange practices that we're need to take on and on behalf of other people that could maybe at least make an opening to that conversation that the christian christian obligation is not just to hand over a resource to someone else but actually see that my brother and sister and i are are absolutely in this together that i have needs that can't be filled
1: um yeah yeah, that's look what i can say over and over this is just hard but you have to be working at it every day you know that You know, too much of this is like, okay, we'll have a meeting, and in that meeting, we'll figure it out. Unfortunately, we're just not smart enough to figure it out in in a one-hour meeting. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: I know that here at Calvary, I keep hoping that some of this disruption will help us reimagine. For instance, we have a we serve a lot of people breakfast on every Sunday morning, like a lot of different churches do. And that had to move to the alley outside with stars on the ground, with six feet apart and, um, and bags and masks and gloves and all of these things. Um, but it's been completely turned upside down. Same with our, our clothing ministry, how it's happened to kind of adjust to these times. I mean, I wonder maybe if the real opportunity is that the, you know, the, the, the table's been just wiped right off and things have been dumped in the floor if uh, the faith community can come together and say, "Let's not just place them back where they were." What does health look like? What does feeding look like? What is uh, what have we learned about ourselves? Um, I wonder if that's something that church health um, or some uh, broader group beyond denominations um, could take seriously, and whether it starts with a particular action that we gather in or the kind of reflection that questions whether our actions were actually just meeting my need to be a good Christian or actually addressing the real needs of, of the community. Is there hope for that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, it's so easy for us to just think, you know, what a good boy or girl am I for, for all these, you know, things I'm doing to help others. You know, for for me, the, the, the solution to this is listening to, you know, this whole concept of how we connect to people in an I-thou relationship, you know. But the world is primarily built around I-it. Even if we're there trying to offer, you know, a way to deal with people who are hungry, great. But too often what happens in the church is the people we're there to, to, to feed It's not a real relationship that's I-thou. It is very much an I-it relationship. Um, But the people we are trying to uh, help are are just objects, and it's not exactly what we're meant to do. I mean, we, we want it to feel good, but what we are so hard at being able to do is see that other person as equal. Uh, and this idea of uh, I-thou, it has to be our primary responsibility. Uh, the Most of the, the challenges that have, have led us to really continuing to live into racism has to do with how we can't see the other as somebody I can actually have a relationship with. You know, we, we can think we're doing good, but most of that doing good again just sees the other person as an object H- homeless people are just objects and therefore we're not making much progress and, and it's why we can't ever get there
0: yeah i heard a comedian of all people who used to be a clean houses say everybody's best friends with their housekeeper but nobody's best friends with their neighbor's housekeeper
1: i love it that's exactly right
0: um, these, these senses of of mutuality that 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 class you've talked about class several times, how deep that that rupture is, and um, how the gospel ought to be healing that rupture
1: yeah I mean look that dealing with housekeepers i mean i I, I love my housekeeper, mm-hmm. and by God she's gonna be cooking Thanksgiving dinner at my house and and i she can take the leftovers home to her family afterwards i mean there's something wrong with that thinking, right? Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: Doesn't sound like Jesus is stable.
1: Yeah. Yes. Right. But it, you know, when you start, you know, this becomes too close to home and people get their feelings hurt about this and um, that they, they can't quite see the point that I'm trying to make here. Cause they, they feel like, Hey, I pay my housekeeper really well. You know, I, 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 I you know, I, look out for her. I take good care of her. But they don't, I don't really know much about her family. She knows all about my family. you know. She knows every last thing about my family, but I, I've never actually, other than in passing, met my housekeeper's family. You know, and, and people would say, well, because of the money situation, we're equal. Well, we're, we're not equal here. Yeah. Again, the only reason any of this matters is if you're trying to follow Jesus. And it, and it also is what leads to the positions we're in around racism right
0: now. Yeah. Well, I, wanna, I want us to close on uh, some glimmer of hope. I do think you know there is, in this relationship between faith and health, uh, quite often, if we look across our history of Christians and Jews and people of faith, it's in a moment of complete disruption. It's in a moment of apparent hopelessness, death that something new comes to be and even as individuals sometimes it's in coming up against our own mortality that we actually begin to do the kind of reflection that realizes this mutuality that you're talking about we need to rediscover in ourselves um any any glimmers of uh of hope going forward, that maybe something would be opened up in us that we could attend to and, and really respond in a different way. Any evidence of that?
1: Yeah. So so for me, the, the the true possibility here has to do with understanding what it means to be healthy. Everybody's wanting to ask, when, when do I get the immunization? Or, when, you know, what are the pills that I could take that could cure me of the disease? Well, rather than just be so passive about waiting for that to happen what what if we actually were trying to live into and ask the question and the church lead the way to say what what does a healthy life look like right now you know how do we engage all of us in in partnership as trying to have it drive us closer to god to say living a healthy life it, there's so much. It's such a rich concept, uh, and and now's the opportunity for us to to do this as the church, and it, and it would give us an opportunity to completely rethink what it means to be the church. If if we could see it that way, it is unbelievably hopeful, unbelievably hopeful. You know, we just we just have to decide that we're gonna walk hand in glove together over this, and then commit to it over time, you know, without without believing that we have to just do it right this minute and then go back to everything that society wants us to do. But this is what the church is supposed to be, and it's what the church is always supposed to be but from the very beginning.
0: Amen. Well said. Thanks for your
1: time, Scott. All right. Yeah. Appreciate the opportunity to talk.
0: The Calvary Podcast is produced by Noah Glenn of Perpetual Emotion. Our theme music was composed by Spence Bailey. Special thanks to Robin Banks, Director of Communications at Calvary, and Heidi Rupke, Lenten Preaching Series Coordinator, and thanks to you for listening. If you're curious about Calvary Episcopal Church, we're an eclectic bunch of Christian people who don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or vote for the same candidates or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them and that God calls us into unity, not uniformity. Subscribe to the Calvary Podcast at calvarymemphis.org podcast or wherever you get your podcasts or visit us in person when we can, again, at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee.